What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guest today is Maddie, also known as DCL Blogger. Maddie is one of the most successful NFT traders and earliest NFT content creators in the ecosystem. Our conversation touches upon all of Maddie's best techniques for NFT trading, and we also discuss his process for creating NFT content. Maddie oozes experience and knows the space like the back of his hand. He knows who is who, what is trading where, and the best method to get it. Even though his focus is virtual land, he is knowledgeable about pretty much every type of NFT. What I loved about our conversation is how Maddie tells it like it is. No sugarcoating, just spitting straight truth. Many people, myself included, tend to hold back in certain instances, not Maddie. He's out here dropping knowledge every single day. That's why he is connected so well with everyone in our community and why he will continue on his path as one of the most successful NFT traders and content creators in our space. Please enjoy my conversation with Maddie. Maddie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, hey Andrew, this is awesome to be on this podcast. My background is um, predominantly with e-commerce. I did before cryptocurrency, I was kind of in the Facebook advertising slash e-commerce scene before I knew how kind of bad Facebook was. But basically dropshipping and e-commerce and Facebook ads, people were figuring out that it was like a really big market. And that's kind of the start of the whole like selling courses and selling e-commerce products on Facebook. And I kind of got in just then because I was looking for business opportunities. And that's when I was kind of entering the business market. Previous to that, I was working a couple of years in an engineering firm. And then I just quit cold turkey because I wanted to do some business stuff. Um, then kind of did that for like six to seven years and learned a little bit more about business and marketing and learned like marketing is such a big deal and how to, you know, understand business economics a bit better. Uh, then kind of found cryptocurrency, jumped into just buying random coins and then, uh, yeah, randomly found Decentraland. And then that's pretty much a short snippet of my background. I want to know more about drop shipping because I hear so much about it. From my understanding, this is like super basic, is that you basically find a product that is really niche, people love, and then you basically just start supplying that product to a certain market. Is that kind of how it is? In a way, yes. There's different strategies. So the long-term strategy is to kind of build a brand around it. The whole premise of drop shipping is that you're just a middleman facilitating the sale and doing the supply chain you're not really meddling with the supply chain so so the supplier is sending that product straight to the customer all you're doing is managing the website bringing the marketing and bringing the sales now where you supply that product it can be from wherever you want you can supply it from aliexpress from china for two dollars a piece or you can do locally from us and have it rebranded and have a proper long-term business um, it's not as easy as just finding a niche and supplying that niche it's it's tough because there's so much competition. You don't know which products have already been sold using Facebook. You don't know which ones are saturated. It's really just throw something at the wall and see what sticks kind of strategy. It's really deep. If you want me to talk about it, I can. But it's, it's a whole new thing. Like I'm, I probably know a lot more about dropshipping than I do about NFTs. So I can go really deep if you want me to. Wow. I kind of see there is some slight analogy to kind of dropshipping and NFTs in some sense because you're kind of, yeah, finding a product, I guess, you know, marketing that product in, in some sense. And if you're in a DCL, like how you are, then you talk about DCL and stuff like that. There is some similarities there, which is kind of interesting to see that. Yeah, definitely. The whole concept of how important marketing is and the right message and getting your point across within 20 seconds. That was the whole premise of social media marketing because you're paying for these ads 
And if you can't convince someone to stop browsing on Facebook and click what you're showing them within five to 10 seconds, then you're going to lose them. So easy to scroll past your ad. So that whole thing kind of played into my knowledge of understanding how to, uh, I guess, tweet often or just be more socially active because I know the importance of that. And then, yeah, with Decentraland, it all translated into this whole, I guess the whole social media and marketing and awareness kind of was like the first thing I did when I got into Decentraland. That's really cool. So what is it that attracted you to crypto at first? Well, I was watching Bitcoin for a while. And I think in 2017, it hit $1,000, then it hit $2,000, then it hit $3,000. And I was, I remember I was in this group with my friends and I was like, guys, Bitcoin hit $1,000. And I was like, guys, Bitcoin hit $2,000. But I wasn't putting any money in and I was like, why am I just saying this shit and not really putting money in? So it hit like $3,000 and then I decided to just sign up with CoinSpot, which is our local um, exchange here in Australia. And then I realized, wait a second, there's all these bunch of different other coins. Some, some of them are one cent, some of them are like 10 cents. Maybe they'll be the next Bitcoin. And back then I didn't really know anything about supply and what it takes for a coin to like go up in that value and, and all that kind of stuff. So I just put like a few hundred dollars in everything. And uh, yeah, that was my first entry into cryptocurrency i think it was like mid 2017 so what are your views today on cryptocurrencies like bitcoin ethereum mana even i I love to hear how you view them today are they like these you know the assets that are going to save save us all from the fed or or are they kind (laughs) of just things you can make money on or like yeah i just love to hear well i think we have to give a lot of credit to the early pioneers of crypto like bitcoin for example it's gone from like pennies to ten thousand dollars man that's that's insane to think it's even got this far. And I think the community is strong enough and believes in decentralization enough to give Bitcoin value to pretty much the end of time. Um, just because it's just such a figurehead. It's just such like a, a you know, an anti-centralization movement. Um, what I think about it from the future, I think the hype of FOMO just never dies down. Um, it's just such a strong emotion. And when it hits people, they just want to act. And so if Bitcoin starts to climb uh, financial wise, it's just going to attract a lot more FOMO people. I'm pretty confident we're going to see something like the 2017 boom. I, I remember I know now like in our local post offices in Australia, they're accepting Bitcoin not payments, but they're, they're allowing people to buy Bitcoin in actual post offices in Australia, which are, wow. you know, people predominantly go there to like middle aged to older people go there to post stuff and just buy things. And if there's an access there to buy Bitcoin, then it suddenly opens up this whole like if Bitcoin is the talk of the town and suddenly there's all these avenues to buy Bitcoin, I think it's going to reach the same, if not higher heights. And it's going to be the same throughout all the other cryptocurrency markets. I just hope that this hype kind of translates into utility and development activity, which it does. Some of it does so that the next cycle, there's a lot more value proposition for these coins. Yeah, it was really interesting to see people go from, hey, Bitcoin's like digital money to people say that Bitcoin's kind of like digital gold. So like the narrative has switched there in that sense, the utility is going to switch as well. So instead of people, you know, buying coffee with their Bitcoin, they're going to store it away kind of like they store gold. And then we're seeing like Ethereum be this kind of decentralized app store in a sense where people are building these applications on top of Ethereum. And it's cool to watch these narratives and the utility of these assets evolve. So what do you think about Mana? Because obviously I know you're big into Decentraland and Mana is the native coin in DCL. So I'd love to hear about what your thoughts on Mana are. So the Mana token for me is really exciting because I know when people find projects in the crypto world, there's a different language that the cryptocurrency investors use. And it's kind of just... 
based on hype, right? Like they like a project, they're not going to look too deeply into it. They're just going to search the coin on Binance or whichever exchange they're on, and they're going to put money into it. So that's probably what's going to happen with Decentraland and Mana. Every time someone revisits, revisits Decentraland, every six months, it just changes completely. I know what's in the works for the next three to six months, or the next two quarters, and it's ridiculous how much more we're going to add to the platform. So I know that the platform itself will add value. And every time people revisit Decentraland or it, it goes through some sort of hype, people that mana token will be the first kind of point of entry as an investment for the the larger set of in investors. Um, I'm excited for it to actually use mana in Decentraland once we can actually buy stuff and play games and, and, and utilize the token to govern things and, and vote on the DAO. Um, that's really exciting because then... Um, I, I actually don't know how that's going to translate into the monetary value of mana. But for me, just watching this from the outside as to how the utility of mana and it being in the midst of all this crypto craziness is going to affect its price. It's, it's going to affect its utility. It's exciting to see how that's happening. And it's kind of challenging for me to kind of figure out that economy because I'm always just watching it and trying to figure out what my move should be or should I just leave it? Should I invest in some land, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's going to do really well. Um, I know that Decentraland and just NFT projects in general, they're very visually oriented. They're very sexy on social media. Like you see them, you want to share what's happening. You're like, oh, you're curious, you click in it. Um, it's more than just an announcement that you see with cryptocurrency tokens where they just announced this, they just announced that. You can actually see the tech being built. And that's why I'm bullish on NFT projects that have a token because it's going to attract the blockchain people when blockchain gaming was just news two years ago where people were like, oh, these are really, you know, assets will be really good on the blockchain, but now we can actually see that happening. So I'm excited to see even the sandbox. Like, I, I know they're going to do well. I know the sand token went up like crazy initially, and the sandbox is, is very well polished, and I know they're going to do well once they start having the right content and they start having people in there and things go more public and stuff. Um, so tokens like that where the awareness comes from building the platform and everyone going crazy on social media of what they're building and yeah i'm pretty sure the tokens will rise in price yeah it's kind of cool to see the you know dcl launch early with their own native token and not many of their nft projects have their own native token but with the recent rise of DeFi and every single DeFi project making their own native token that you know does some crazy i don't know liquidity pool like swap something crazy stuff like that and those use cases those kind of DeFi use cases i think are great but i think that the token aspect is a little bit you kind of pointed out it's a little bit hypey, a little bit overstated. What we're seeing with NFT projects, whether it be a virtual world or a game or whatever, the token actually has some sort of utility within that world, and it has more functionality than what we're seeing in like DeFi, in my opinion. You know, that's probably kind of questionable to say that, but I, I think that it's great to see uh, NFT projects have their own token. And I think we're going to see many more projects in the future, NFT projects, launch their own native token. So it's going to be an exciting future in, in that arena. I know there's like this whole, there's going to be a movement towards blockchain game tokens. And I know a blockchain game is an annoying word because it kind of, it's what people use to kind of classify the NFT industry, but it's more broader. So I know like right now it's the DeFi thing, but I know some influencers and people that are really into the next wave being the whole like, quote unquote blockchain gaming nft tokens so things like wax engine mana sand etc so if by the time that wave comes to this space if we can have working products where we can show the utility of those tokens i think there'll be a lot more 
uh, longevity in that hype. That makes a ton of sense. What are your views on NFTs themselves, just as like a, a broad category? Um, excited, man. I wake up every day and, and I see some new use case for NFTs. I just read that um, Kakao are uh, implementing NFTs as kind of like their access tokens for investors to use um, their platform. So sorry, Kakao is the isn't it like a WhatsApp but for Korea or something? Yeah, yeah. Pretty. I, I don't know how. Uh, it's it's just. It's a chat app for Koreans, kind of like WeChat. I don't know how anything else about it apart from it being like the dominant chat ad, app for in Korea. But yeah, they, they have apparently they've got like a cryptocurrency wallet called oh, I forgot the name Clip. Yeah, Clip with a K. And you can there's a part there's a uh, you can sign up to be an investor in I think IPOs and to be an investor you can get an NFT access token and that qualifies that you're an investor to them. So instead of like just registering, um, they're actually using NFTs on blockchain to verify that process. So that's really cool to see it being used. And I think that use case is pretty big, just like access tokens, even virtual worlds. Like you have a mansion, you can have like the top level as being an access token. If you have the NFT, the door opens, that kind of stuff. Um, but in the real world and, and, and virtual world, I think they'll have a big use case. It's a really good use case you point out is access. If you could have some sort of WeChat groups and kind of people in their own little groups that chat with each other often. It'd be really cool to have top floor, as you mentioned, be some kind of exclusive area where only other people that are, you know, big landholders or artists or whatever kind of go in these smaller groups, which are essentially chat rooms in a, in a virtual world and chat with each other, which I think is, that's really cool. Yeah, man, me too. So when did you, and also why, do you start creating NFT and crypto content? Making content is just my thing. Like back when I was doing drop shipping, I had a, uh, a marketing blog. And the whole premise of the marketing blog was just started off for me just to um, talk about my marketing adventure. So I'd be like doing monthly reports as to how much money I'm earning. I'd be like, oh, I spent $500 and made $1,000 doing this, this, and this. And it was kind of like a report to just, it was very transparent. It was just showing exactly where I spent my money, what products did well for me. And then it kind of grew a following. And then um, as I learned about courses, I used to sell courses on like how to learn Facebook marketing. And I used to sell them for like three, $400. Um, a course and then I like had like all these YouTube videos so that was a very sustainable model just from the blog I used to have like four to five k a month just in like revenue just from people purchasing you know forum affiliate stuff and then courses etc so when I went to nft land I, I was like I had the success with nft stuff like buying and selling land I was like holy shit I can do the same thing so I made a blog and I was talking about how I flipped this this land for this much that land for this much and then um I actually uh, opened up a course and I, I don't know if anyone remembers it if anyone does then you're a true og because this was like three years ago it was selling for like 300 dollars, and i was like oh learning how to negotiate and buy digital land like buy and sell digital land but what i realized was that the people that were buying it they were just competing with me in the market and i was actually losing more money with them having that knowledge and like if they took a couple of deals off me in in the decentralized marketplace and that would that would like offset the um Offset the revenue that you're getting yeah, from the course. Exactly, exactly. It, it was not worth for me to make the courses. So I stopped doing that. And then I kind of moved the model to just more like a, a knowledge base kind of place to, for me to just blog about the space. And I like it like that because my mindset has shifted from just kind of making that revenue month by month to kind of a long-term macro outlook as to an investment and then nurturing that investment and then kind of making money from wealth and then being part of the community. It's really changed from what I used to do two, three years ago. That's really cool. So yeah, you started in 2017 making NFT content or was it more 2018? 2018. 2018. Okay. 
when I first started, you know, entering the NFT space in a more heavier way, your content was the stuff that I would read. You're like the most prolific content creator out there. I think you were the first person to really start writing about this stuff. I don't know. Was I? I, I, I wasn't motivated by seeing someone else's blog. I just remember I was just making money buying and selling land. So I just made a blog. I didn't pay attention to what else was out there until a good year after. And then I was like, oh, wow, there's all these other blogs out there. But yeah, no, that's good. Good to know that I was one of the first. I think I was because back then the NFT space wasn't that big, right? What is your favorite type of content to make? You know, do you prefer the videos, the kind of blogs, or what is your favorite? I would have to say the YouTube videos. I I hate writing, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because, I mean, it's a DCL blogger, right? But I I I hate writing. I, I'm just such an impatient person. I like to just uh, make a video and then pass it on to someone who can write for me. And that's the kind of model I'm going with at the moment, where I'm hoping to just make the video and then pass it on to some people that are helping me do the blog post, make the image, uh, post it out to my socials, etc. So if I could, I could just make, I would just make videos. They're my favorite types of content to do. In terms of my favorite content, like what works, um, Twitter is killing it. So Twitter videos, 30 second Twitter videos, images on Twitter. I'm experimenting with story posts and threads, um, but really treating Twitter as my kind of main 90% social growth um, an awareness channel. Yeah, I don't like writing podcasts. I used to do podcasts and like had my own podcast, but then the editing part of it and, and then just, uh, I don't know, it, it was just too annoying for me because I used to edit it and then do write-ups for the podcast or re-listen and then do like a a um, transcript, etc. It was just too much effort. So now I'm trying to look for like those low, those low effort but high impact channels and Twitter's definitely one of them. It's super interesting and really intelligent of you to go after Twitter because I don't know if I was listening or reading about uh, Anthony Pompliano, who's like, you know, the biggest crypto uh-huh. influencer. He was talking about how Twitter was basically his main platform to really grow into the the brand that he has today. And I think now he has like something like 300,000 followers on Twitter and his YouTube just hit 100,000 subscribers. And this is a guy who like started in crypto, right? Which is kind of a niche market. The fact that he was able to do that is really cool. I could see you being the uh, pomp of NFTs one day. <laughs> Hopefully, man. Like, uh, I'm actually just doing it for the space. Like, I want more people to understand what this space is. So, you know, I'm not doing it, just doing it for Decentraland. I'm kind of talking about the art space. And I want this space to... I, I, I realize that the more people that connect with my Twitter, the more I can kind of educate them on what this whole space is about. Definitely. So your website is dclblogger.com. At first, you started focusing only on DCL. As you mentioned, now you're kind of branching out into all NFTs. Can you tell me more about your website? Yeah, so dclblogger.com was started off as the blog, kind of like a hobby blog. And then currently now it's, I come from the old age of SEO marketing and maintaining a blog and, and selling ad spots on your blog. That was the whole thing like five to 10 years ago. And that model's kind of changed now where it's, I'm realizing that a, a web a web presence or a website is more for a kind of just like a education profile type thing. So you got your Twitter and then if you want to teach them more structured content, then you send them to your blog. And so, yeah, on the blog, I have like tutorials and I'm going to have breakdowns as to which projects uh, you can analysis um, videos on projects, you know, how to get started as a beginner, intermediate, etc. Some case studies is how to I flip assets and long term investments. Uh, and I kind of just spent like two to three months just making that content. And now I've just left it there um, just to live there. I haven't. And then my blog posts I use just for that little bit of SEO juice that you get when you make new blog posts and keep to keep the Google, uh, you know, to keep Google happy that I'm making regular content to keep my blog relevant. But the blog is just there so that people 
you know, companies or media outlets, they find my Twitter, they click on my blog, they read a bit more about me, they know what I'm about, and then they contact me if they want to do some sort of a podcast or something. Do you find that your blog or your Twitter or really any platform, what is the best way to reach, you know, more people? Or what is the most popular venue that you have? I'd say Twitter. Twitter because there was a time when it was pretty quiet and then uh, most people used to reach me through email and my email used to be a lot more. Uh, I get a lot of frequent emails like every week I'd have something, someone asking me for a land or asking to know more about the NFT space. And then the more frequently I use Twitter, um, I just realized that people just message me on Twitter. And, and it's low effort and it kind of keeps, and threads are a really good example with this. So um, it's funny you, you brought up um, Pomp because his younger brother is who I got inspired by with those threads because he was saying how the threads helped him grow to a 20,000 um, follower account. And I think it was like within one or two years or something, it was something really small. What I'm realizing, especially with those Twitter threads is keeping people on the platform is what increases your engagement. So if you're putting a blog post on Twitter and then you're sending them to Twitter and then, uh, sorry, to your blog, your blog, and then from your blog, you have a YouTube video and then you're sending them to YouTube. There's a lot of points of uh, losing that user. So just keeping them on Twitter, showing them that information so they can scroll, see what they like and share it and move on. I'm experimenting with that and I'm finding it to be probably the best avenue. So I would say Twitter for sure. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Actually, I just listened to the podcast this morning with Joe Pompliano, who's Pomp's younger brother and who you just mentioned has 20,000 Twitter followers. So he started Twitter five weeks ago. It's like the fastest what? Twitter growth anyone no has ever way. had. Five weeks ago. And he it's has 20,000 followers. 20,000 in five Holy weeks. Holy crap. Yeah. But he gets uh, retweeted by his older brother. So, you know, we have to take that into cons consideration. Yeah. He's, you know, he has uh, he has Pomp and then obviously Paulina, who's his Pomp's wife. She also has a large following. So mm. if you're getting, you know, retweeted by these big accounts, like your growth is going to be pretty, pretty intense. So, yeah. but, but still, you know, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. It's definitely impressive. Because our industry is so niche, even if we have a Twitter that resonates with pretty much everyone in the NFT space, it's only going to reach so far. True. Right? Um, the most likes and stuff I've had is probably like 200, 300 or something like that. That's huge for NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. But the ones that will get, will probably get a lot more publicity is if you're talking about things like crypto or DeFi or things that are hot at the moment, especially crypto. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do more breakdown posts about the crypto industry. And I recently did one about um, the Winklevoss twins. And I've got like 10 to 15 threads about like the crypto industry and just, just like opinions about the crypto industry because I think that's our next market for the NFT space. Um, those people understand blockchain a little bit better than the, the rest of the people. I'm not going to say too much better, but it's a little bit better than the rest of the people in the blockchain space. So getting them to connect with our channels, I don't care who it is, whether it's my, yours or whale sharks, but some of our channels and then understand the NFT space as we continue to show them information. I think that's the next step for the growth here. Right now, NFTs have something like 20,000 users. It's probably more than that, but you know, OpenSea in April of 2020, there was a stat where it said that they had roughly 20,000 wallets interact with OpenSea, you know, buy or sell an item. So that's a really, really small population in, in the scheme of things, right? Like if you look at crypto, I think it's roughly Coinbase alone has 35 million accounts, you know, users and total crypto in the world is probably around 100 million. But I would say of the 100 million, probably like 20 million are active, right? If you just get a million people onboard in the NFT space, then it'll grow dramatically. I see kind of that 20 million number is where NFTs can grow today, right? Right now it's really small. As you pointed out, when you make a really 
great posts about NFTs, it'll probably get like the most is like two, 300 likes. But in the future, I think that the growth will, will accelerate. So I want to switch gears here a little bit. I'm sure everyone listening knows about Decentraland, but if you could explain to me what is Decentraland and why is it exciting? So Decentraland is an open virtual platform where you can own pieces of land, build whatever you want, and eventually visit that land in virtual reality. What makes it exciting is the fact that it's it's kind of decentralized in the sense that it's governed by the people. Um, there's going to be the mana token that you can use to govern decisions of what, which direction Decentraland takes. Do you want a land auction? Do you want them to cap land? Do you want them to increase land? Do you want them to use another currency as opposed to mana? Do you want some builder competitions? Blah, blah, blah. Um, the really cool thing is that every year they have about 22 million mana in funding. That's about 2 million USD at current mana valuation. For the DAO, which is us, to use and direct that money to where we want. So we can use that money to, again, yeah, run competitions, do some marketing pushes. So basically, it's kind of supposed to be a platform that the people can decide and choose which direction it takes. That's one part of the exciting, you know, that's one exciting part of it. The other part of it, just the innovation that's happening on the world because it's all smart contract integrated. Um, you can do all kinds of things. You can tip people in the world. You can trade items in the world through blockchain. You can buy art. You can mint art in the world. You know, you can hold a conference with people and then maybe they can pitch their idea and you can fund their idea, kind of like Shark Tank, but in the virtual world. Um, the blockchain integration allows us to do so much. It's kind of like Ethereum and Microsoft. It's kind of like how Ethereum is the, the Microsoft equivalent, but for blockchain, right? It's an app. It's an app. Uh, development tool kind of thing so we hope that Decentraland to be a similar type of thing where it's a platform for visual kind of innovation and it's just very exciting to wake up to someone you know doing a pod uh, starting some sort of a a um, radio station and because again it, the nature of the decentralized the nature of it is the fact that it's also hosted by community servers so you can't actually shut down Decentraland and again, that opens up this whole new things, sets of things you can do, um, tiptoeing on regulation, things like gambling, things like adult, things like um, just not being censored. So if if you want to uh, post your views about something in an anonymous way, um, it, without your information being stored anywhere centrally, then Decentraland can do that. So there's all these uh, use cases that are currently being explored, and that's what makes Decentraland exciting in the uh, you know current to medium outlook. You bring up a ton of great points there, and one of the most exciting is like the governance aspect, because it's kind of the first time where the users of that game or virtual world or platform, whatever you want to call it, we'll just call it game. Users of that game can kind of guide what features get added to the game. I actually spoke with Pierce Kicks from Delphi Digital. I just spoke with him about this recently. We were basically saying, how cool is it back in the day, you and your buddies are playing a video game and you're like, damn, I wish that they added, I don't know, you know, more dragons or like w whatever it might be, like faster cars, whatever, right? You really, you, you have no say whatsoever. You're just kind of like, like yelling into the wind, right? But now, because you can actually become a, a stakeholder stakeholder in the governance of this platform or of this game it just like totally flips what's possible how games are going to be structured going forward and i think that that's one of the most exciting uh, aspects uh, about nfts in general but specifically dcl because i think dcl is really on the forefront of of thinking hey how do we how do we let the users govern stuff how do we let the users decide how do we decentralize our servers you know um i think that that's super super exciting and everyone should look to you know, implement more of what DCL is trying to trying to do. Yeah, and I think it, it's also kind of very welcoming to other projects that are decentralized in nature. Because we had CoinFest come in, and they have a decentralized kind of festival, right? Where every year you can host a CoinFest 
a meetup wherever you want in the world as long as their only requirement is to accept cryptocurrency as payment. But, you know, they were really keen on, on, on um, setting up on Decentraland because of the decentralized nature of it. And I don't know, I think it appeals to people and projects in this space because those that are kind of into the whole decentralized blockchain space, they're like, oh, wow, this is a cool platform to experiment with. So I know a lot of games and, and like the Sandbox and other projects that exist that do similar stuff in the space. But yeah, Decentraland's decentralized kind of structure is probably our most different like uh, feature for the projects. So I want to talk a little bit about NFT trading. You're one of the top NFT traders in the ecosystem. And I love to hear how do you identify certain NFTs that you are like, okay, this is going to be a winner. How do you kind of look at that? Do you have some sort of analysis or do you kind of look at the team and the community or yeah, what do you do? It's only recently where I've turned into a bit more of a longer term investor. And I think it's just because the money that I have invested is, is it's not, it's, it's more, it's more larger of an asset pool, right? It's not small enough so I can make quick flips. It's like a large pool that I need to nurture and the growth of it, like doubling and tripling is a lot more valuable than just me buying and selling something. But um, if you talk the two strategies, so buying and selling for me for the first two years was really profitable. I've made a lot of money doing that. And the whole premise of doing that was always to buy something way well, 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 well under the market price. And that's possible with NFTs because there's that whole process of negotiation where if someone is in the land trading chat or is in the trading channel for this particular NFT project, you can message them and be like, hey, man, you know, you're trying to sell this for 50 Ethereum. How about I buy um, all of your items in your wallet for 65 Ethereum? And you know that he knows that if he sells them individually, he can probably get 100 Ethereum, but maybe he needs the money in two days. So he'll say yes. For him, it's a good, it's, you're a liquidity provider. For you, it's a good deal because you can make profit. You know you're selling it well under market price. Maybe you go on to sell it for 85 Ethereum because conservatively it sells quicker that way instead of the 100 Ethereum. And that way you walk out with a profit. So for me, it's always been about buying at a price that I know that I can put a markup on and sell within 24 hours. And that way, it's been a no-brainer. For every purchase I've done with the central line, especially in the first two years, it was always OTC. It's always been off market. I've never bought anything on the marketplace. In fact, I probably bought a million dollars worth of Decentraland land off market than I have on market. And um, it's it's just way, that's, that's the best part of the industry is you can actually negotiate the price. It's like going to your neighbor and asking for 8,000 USD Bitcoin. Of course, you're going to buy it, right? Because you know it's market price at 12,000 today. So it's kind of a similar thing, except as a trader, you will start to realize more about what valuations uh, work. Um, I stick to Decentraland because I know that marketplace really, really well. I understand the economy, the structure, the uh, things that affect the economy. I understand it really, really well. The other things out there, they excite me, but um, I, I'm not that into them yet until I can kind of make medium to big sized plays. I like to buy portfolios basically, because when you buy portfolios, you're doing them a favor because they want liquidity and really is a investor big enough to buy a portfolio from them. So in that sense, the negotiation power is on my side. If I'm just buying one or two assets, they can get that price on the marketplace. So that's for the short term strategy. For the long term strategy, it's definitely looking at the team and everything involved. But the underlying economy is probably my most important thing. I need to know that this project will stand the test of a complete bear market. If the next two to three years they get zero users, are they going to continue? Um, 
So for me, I need to know they're well funded so that they're not going to they're not going to make any brash moves to get funding. Um, and then I need to know there's some high value assets. So is there some assets that are selling for ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars? So that with decentralized, the best thing was that each asset was a minimum four hundred, five hundred dollars. So if I bought and sold like five or ten lands a month, that was a healthy income, as opposed to you know one dollar assets or ten dollar assets um, like trading cards, etc. I can go really deep into this, but I think I'll stop there. So you mentioned that when you reach out to someone, you kind of can tell that their portfolio is, is um, you know, maybe you're offering a slightly below market rate for their assets. So mm -hmm. how do you get to the level where you just know that? Are you like going and analyzing all this data and like figuring that out like on a numbers level? Or are you, you just know by virtue of being in the market for so long and just being a participant? Uh, it's definitely both. It's also a gut feeling because you know that you know, in the last 30 days, there's been, you know, the cheapest lands sold for 10,000 mana. For the last 30 days, there's been about 25 of those sales. So you know that if there's a land that's selling for 8,000 mana, you can probably pretty confidently purchase it and sell it for 9,500 or even 8,900. You don't have to walk away with too much profit. Even a 1,000 mana gain is still like 10 to 20% profit on, without putting any fiat. And that on a compounding basis is a ton of money. So yeah. I, I keep up with the data on the more macro. Uh, I don't really dig too deep into the data, like OpenSea rankings or non-fungible recent sales. Just understanding for the last week or two how frequent people are buying in Decentraland. Also, the the more outward outlook as to, all right, the DeFi space is hot. All right, Bitcoin is climbing and everyone's looking at Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Maybe people will lay off the NFT space for a while. And understanding those factors kind of help as well. Because right now, obviously, mana has mooned. Um, everyone's kind of watching Bitcoin and Ethereum as Bitcoin's about to make a play. And we see some people, some sellers get really desperate in Decentraland and sell their land really, really cheap. So this could be a good opportunity to buy and put some bids really cheap. But, um, you know, you're taking on that risk where if mana goes nuts, then are you buying at a higher mana value? I think in that sense, you've got to be a bit dynamic and really know the industry if you want to make the more money you'll like, the more you know the industry, the more money you'll make. That's for sure. But that's more truer for specific projects. If you want to, it's very hard to keep up with the whole industry. So you mentioned mana going to the moon. I want to dig deeper into that because I think at last I checked, it was like four cents and then it went up to 10 cents or something like that. Do you know why that happened? I have no idea. I, I know that I did an interview with Alex from Nuggets News and he had like 90,000 subs. Um, and he's any he, is this he, a YouTube interview or is this what? yeah okay yeah it was a YouTube interview but he had um, privately posted that video to his private group just because it's an early access group that get his stuff and they pay like a monthly subscription for and they were all going crazy for Decentraland but for sure they themselves weren't solely responsible for like sixty million dollars worth of volume right or what which we saw like an astronomical amount of volume that day so I think it was a mix of that and I think also Binance mentioned that they listed. Um, mana for the Binance US. I don't know if Binance needs to buy some mana from the market to have that liquidity for the traders there. I don't know how that works, but maybe that's also part of the thing. Um, I know that someone was accumulating to make a big land purchase. I don't know if that happened. There was a few things in the works, but I, I can't explain why it went to 12 cents like how it tripled that that was pretty crazy for all of us so probably a confluence of a whole bunch of different factors and it was just right timing i think so i think it was right timing as well yeah that makes sense it's it's really annoying that currently we're dealing with high gas fees and the um 
it's not as buzzing as it used to be at the moment just because everyone's kind of looking at bitcoin but if it was like a month earlier it would have been perfect but definitely what can you do so what has been your most profitable trade i have had some pretty profitable trades i remember in the early days of 2018 or was it 2019 it was one of those times when a massive whale came in and he was buying up so much land and within days we could make some pretty big deals and i remember buying this set of lands for about 400,000 mana and selling it to the same to this whale for like 1.3 million mana within 24 hours so it was like a million mana which was at that time it would have been like 100k it was nuts man it was that um it was another one that i had so there was this um guy that used to give me deals from the chinese market and china there was like this whole wechat group we have in decentraland and they're active with dragon city and there was a guy that used to, his name was JJ, and he used to bring me deals from there. And he'd be like, hey, you know, so-and-so selling this. And I'd negotiate. He'd be my negotiation partner kind of thing. And I'd give him a cut. And we did a deal. And back then, it was very tedious to do deals because we couldn't buy estates. So you had to transfer each land individually to, you know, wallet to wallet. So he, he brought me a deal. And I kind of sensed that the deal that I bought from this guy, because the, the deal that he bought me was like maybe 10 lands for you know, 150,000 man or whatever it was. But I looked at the guy's portfolio and I saw, wait, wait a second, this guy, had, this guy has like 60, 60 to 70 lands. So maybe this guy is looking to exit the market because there was a lot of early investors in Decentraland that had put a ton of money because it was just coming off the hype, right? So they had a ton of money which they had put into Decentraland. And so I made an offer just, just, can't, just out of the blue. I was like, man, I'll just buy, how about he sells me his 80 to 90 pieces of land for, you know, 500,000 mana. And the guy said yes. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Because this is worth at least 1.5 to 1.6 million mana. So I, that was another one that I bought. But that was a portfolio that I slowly sold on the marketplace for about three to six months. But, you know, a few deals like that. I think the most recent one that I had was a land that I sold near Decentraland University. I bought it for 650,000 mana. And I think I sold it for about 1.4 million. And that was like a six-month hold um, on that. So... Yeah, man, there's been some definitely been some profitable trades. And that's what I mean in the sense of um, I can't really compete with the smaller, like really quick deals that get onto the marketplace. Yeah, there's great money in them, but I just can't compete with the quick fingers at play. People have bots, people have, um, you know, they're really quick. They monitor the market every day, every second. Uh, I can't compete with those people. I can only compete on like a medium to large basis where I have that negotiation power and, and I guess that liquidity value where rarely does an investor come with like a hundred thousand dollars that's like ready to buy a portfolio so i try and understand that that's my skill set and that's the power i have so i try and move to markets that can accommodate that that's why i don't really invest in projects that don't really have a strong economy because if i put that money in and the economy dies out then that's pretty much that money lost so besides decentraline what other nft projects do you like or are excited about um, I'm excited to just watch the space. I was excited about Gods Unchained, but I think the the um the gas fees has totally obliterated that marketplace. It's down from 400 Ethereum at some at one stage it was like 100 to 400 Ethereum per week, and now it, it last time I checked it was seven Ethereum for the week, which was like yeah, that was pretty sad to see. But I think they'll do well in the long term because I have a lot of their Genesis cards and their Genesis chests, which are unopened chests. And I know that the whole card trading industry is pretty big and they have the right marketing people in place to push that once they're ready. Um, but apart from that, I think the art industry I'm really excited about. And that was a recent realization for me. I was like, 
Because for me, I was like, well, why are art valuable when people can just mint new art? There's no supply cap. Why is this? Why does this have any value at all? And then it slowly started to hit me that you're not really investing in the art um, industry. You're investing in the artist, and it's up to the artist as to how they decide to mint. Um, are they just doing it for money? Is there some depth to their art? Do you like their art? And there were some art pieces that really stood out to me. And um, especially 3D art, because I can buy that 3D art and then I can deploy that onto my Decentraland land. So suddenly I have a land that I can hold conferences in and a bunch of 3D art that I can um, promote the artists that I've also invested in, bring them some publicity and awareness. And suddenly there's a massive value proposition to the piece that I, you know, that land that I own. So I'm, I'm actually excited about the art industry. I have some pieces that I think will do really well. And I'm interested interested to grab some more, especially in the bull run, if I were to come off with a healthy stack of Ethereum or Bitcoin. But apart from that, I am looking for just industries that are going to be, if any project comes out that has like 10 to $20 million worth of funding in the NFT space, then it'll have my attention. I think sometimes it's better just to hold on to your money and to just to wait to see how the market evolves. Have you heard of any new kind of NFT projects that are coming into the ecosystem that are you know really well funded like you just mentioned like any any big players coming in i mean the sandbox can be well funded i think if they were to sell all their land they'd get four to five million dollars worth of funding and i know their parent company animoca brands are pretty damn big <laughs> they're pretty big i think they're like i don't know 50 to 100 million dollars big or something like that so i know that they've got the funding but in terms of the underlying ecosystem being funded i'm no i don't know anyone that has more than $5 million of funding. I know that I think Top Shots did like $1.4 million or something. I remember when we were covering it in both the primary and secondary sales, but I'm looking for something more. So I don't know anyone that's been able to fund five to $10 million worth or that are coming with that. And the funding I'm talking about is not like getting seed funding or funding from, from businesses. I'm talking about primary sales. So I want to have five to $10 million worth of primary sales value because that shows that that much money worth of the community money is in this platform. So, you know, that that's how much eyes, money and value is in the platform. So if I was to enter trades or enter and buy some assets, then I know that this much money will continue to, it's like Decentraland, right? It, for like two years, they had no product. They had zero product for two years, but the marketplace was so healthy that it kept the momentum for two years which was pretty crazy to think about. That definitely makes a lot of sense because if you're some startup that can raise $10 million, but on the open market, on the open NFT markets, you're only generating $50,000 in, in sales, then it's not really that impressive, right? But once you're talking about millions of dollars uh, every month, then that's when it starts to get much more exciting. I think Decentraland was very lucky to have launched in the ICO boom. Mid-2017 is when they held their ICO. End of 2017 is when they held their land uh, auction. So they were just, timing-wise, they were extremely lucky. But with the land auction came $20 million worth of money put into land. And that's why it's just been able to be this healthy um, for two to three years. I think timing plays a huge role in a lot of this. But luckily, I think that we're reaching a point where like it's like the escape velocity, where the timing actually doesn't matter. We're just going to see great projects come in and start building and uh, like a network effect within the community and just start growing by itself. So if you could design one NFT project, what would it be like? If I could design an NFT project, ooh, funny you ask that question. I think I, I messaged the other day, I made a tweet saying like, I wonder how it would be if we designated land um, to people based on them actually building, like rewarded for building cool things as opposed to buying land. 
So instead of having an auction where you can purchase land, having some sort of a reward pool where you can be allocated certain land based on certain things you build. So if you build like a mansion or if you build like a headquarter or a trading place and you get this land or like the kind of map will all be built out and designated spots will be there. But if you build and the community votes that your build should go here, then it should go there. So I think like those kind of experiments are exciting to me, but that's not very, there's no financial model to it um, currently, but maybe monetized by a social currency that can be something that can work really well because uh, you know people can just hold the social currency and build the stuff there and then find value in the appreciation of the social currency so i'd love to play with a design like that if i could be a little bit more hands-off decentraland um i know decentraland code is open source so i think it's you know it's open for people to play with those models but something like that makes sense um even just like you know if 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 decentraland opens up the need for a uh, the the ability to import your 3D models as NFTs, I think that might open up the doors for something like CryptoPunks to come in and just release like 10,000 um, NFTs and keep a thousand NFTs. And because they're the first or one of the first, they'll have that sort of sentimental value. They were all free to claim, so hopefully the community will go wild and claim them. So I was thinking something like an aquarium, fish tank type thing where you can have like this this cyber fish oh, this is like a weird idea i jotted down but basically like um these random cyber fish things that you can claim and then um you know they each have like random uh, variable traits and they look different some are like little sharks some of them are like big octopuses or something and then you can host them in on your land in an as an aquarium and they're just like 3d things that you keep and they were all free to claim so in time like they become more valuable and just like CryptoPunks, right? It was just like a simple idea, but you didn't really have to do anything more than just to release that idea to the world. And because it had a hard cap, they existed and like thrived. Just like random models like that, I think will just be fun to play with. Yeah, that's really cool. It's kind of combining a little bit of, I guess, DeFi with the social currency, some NFTs and some kind of CryptoPunk style uh, launch with, (laughs) you know, only claiming it. I like that. You're kind of taking a little bit from everything, which which is really cool. Yeah, I feel like the money... The pooling money that um, you know drives the economy shouldn't come from people just buying the assets and waiting to see what will become. It should come from people building and then just, I think people drive value. So I think Whale Shark was a great experiment to see is because his currency is doing quite well because everyone's so excited in the Whale Discord and it keeps buzzing, people keep tipping each other, people keep doing videos and just that, that place is probably the hottest Discord I've seen in any NFT space. And that's what a social currency does if used well. So I think on a larger basis, a platform where you have a social currency or a social uh, or a way to kind of allocate build and contribution value will do, I don't know, it'd be a good experiment, I think, at the very least. That definitely makes a lot of sense. All right. So where do you see yourself professionally in, let's say, five years? Uh, five years is a long time. I think what are we? five years would be a whole new crypto cycle. I kind of see these cycles as like a four year thing. So five years from now would probably be maybe we'd be off to the races on a second bull run from today uh, from the next one coming up, but I hope to be in a place where I've accumulated a lot of wealth, and the NFT space is really exciting to me. I, I hope to stay here and nurture and accelerate the space in the directions that I see that will do well. So I'd like to have a good network where I know that you know the people that I have in my network can bring value and hopefully seed invest in some projects that have great great concepts that i think will do really well that do good and take you know this in the direction that i like it to go to so professionally i'd love to just 
have a really good awareness channel so that I can blog about this space and, and use that to build more connections. And then just basically have a ton of money that I can use to accelerate the space in places that I want to. Yeah, basically like hopefully have some sort of a fund or VC firm with maybe something that official, maybe it doesn't have to be that official with, with like other people that have also accumulated a lot of wealth and then, you know, push it in the directions that I think will do really well. That's really cool. So you just want to double down and get deeper into the NFT space. Yeah, I mean like Niftex was a great idea like some a project like that coming up and providing this new kind of avenue to invest um this new things you can do and innovate from using the nfts that's a great idea to kind of like accelerate right and i'm sure there'll be plenty other projects that will come in and do their own thing i know crypto motors want to do like digital cars in the metaverse so they want to make 3d models across all metaverses and that's their business model and i love that that's i reckon that's going to do really well so projects like that and others that come in that are very driven that have the right minds i'd love to just be like a person that has the conversation early invests in them early connects them to the right people finds ways to grow them and finds ways that finds ways that they can bring value to the to the space love that all right let's jump into the closing questions what is your single favorite nft that you own Ooh, single favorite nft that's a hard one and i think a lot of us have really hard that's a that's a hard question for a lot of us um i would say i've got like this this land in decentraland that's 88 pieces big that's right near crypto valley and joined with it's connected to like two or three different districts and a double road it's very central i love it it's like I can't wait to have like businesses on it and stuff. I think that is probably my most loved or valued NFT. But I mean, to look at visually, there's nothing there. It just, I know value wise, it's probably like a good six figures. But the ones that I like to look at, um, ah, man, it's so hard to choose. I love my mythic wearables. I love to go into Decentraland and pop up, you know, pop out some, a set that no one has that was like, you know, minted a year ago as one of like the OG sets. And every time I put it on, people are like, oh shit, Maddie, you look lit. <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird that it's like this fashion sense going on now with the digital world. I love that. I think it's really cool that we're seeing the virtual mimic the, the physical. I, I think there's a lot of aspects that I didn't think that would happen in virtual environments that actually do just because we're like people. So that's, that's really cool. I agree. All right. So what is something that you'd like to see happen or something that you think needs to happen to the NFT ecosystem? I think we need to dumb down the language. I think we keep using the word blockchain and even the word NFT. I'd love to move away from it. I'd love to move towards more of a language that people understand on the broader aspect of things. Uh, digital cards. Okay. Virtual land. Okay. Like maybe even virtual art or digital art is a very difficult concept to kind of explain to someone. But I think the moment we start to talk blockchain and try and if, we, if we're trying to explain to someone the value proposition of virtual land or virtual art, I don't think we should get too deep into the blockchain part of it because it's kind of like someone telling you, hey, an iPhone is good because it has like this hardware or that hardware. It's like that's not the language these days to onboard the masses. masses. It's like, hey, this iPhone's good because look at the picture it takes you. Like look at the selfie quality. That's literally the reason why iPhones sell, right? Because of like the photo and the video quality and the very simple features. So I think we need to move away from that language. And I think the language needs to be, and this is a, 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 a job for the marketers and the PR people and people that understand, you know, product market fits and, you know, work in business development. That's a, more of a thing for them to work on. And I hope that it goes there. I think, um, like, for example, Topshot, I think, did a really good job 
of doing that because they don't really explain blockchain technology. They just say, hey, you know, you can buy these um, cool NBA collectibles that are licensed and you wouldn't need to understand blockchain to want to collect those. You would just buy them using fiat and collect them. And I think Nifty Gateway, a similar type of thing, where it's like, hey, you can buy these virtual and uh, virtual art pieces straight from the artist um, for, for straight with fiat. And that's another thing. That's why a lot of their drops, I think, sell out. And I think we need to move towards um, that sort of a language where it's more suited towards the normies than it is to the blockchain tech people. Um, and hopefully we get there. Totally agree with that. All right. So you kind of touched upon this already, but what are the main barriers to adoption in the NFT space? The main barriers, definitely the gas fees. And I think to a certain degree, tribalism as well. I think we kind of eat each other's, uh, we kind of um, rain on each other's parades because we want to protect our own investments. And I see that a lot. And I just don't know the solution to that is you see, you know, if I were to talk about Decentraland, you see people under my thing saying, oh, you know, but Wax can do this. Oh, why don't you guys build on this chain? Oh, why don't you guys build on that chain? Uh, why haven't you guys tried engine? And the only reason that they're, they're posting that is because they've invested in that project. Um, same with uh, other projects. I'm sure people go and say, oh, you know, you should build on Decentraland or you should invest in the Mana token. And that's all okay. But I think a lot of it, some of it comes from this need to protect your little community. And I just felt, feel like, you know, Ethereum is a good example where people have invested in Ethereum and then the ecosystem is buzzing because there's just such a big mix of people that constantly love the whole Ethereum concept. Um, I, I think that needs to somehow be ironed away. Um, and yeah, definitely big barriers in terms of adoption in the sense of the language, in the sense of the, um, you know, if I were to tell my friend to buy this virtual Street Fighter collectible card, he'll need to download a MetaMask wallet and get some Ethereum, learn, learn gas fees, and then buy that card as opposed to just going on a website, making an account with the username and login, connecting his PayPal and buying that thing and it's sitting in his um, profile on that account. So yes, the underlying technology can be blockchain, but on the front end, it should be that simple. And I think that will be, we need the UI, the UI definitely is a huge hurdle at the moment, I think. I completely agree as well. All right, so this is the last question. Where do you see the world of NFTs in three years? Three years, I think, There'll be a lot more investors in the space, but I think we'll have a lot more of the similar types of hurdles in the sense that the language will still be around tech, the language will still be around blockchain. But I hope in three years, it'll be a little bit more, I, I hope the amount of content creators like me and you will 10x. I hope the amount of people innovating new, new projects will 10x by that time. Um, I think at some stage, whether it's in the next three years or five years, there's going to be some sort of a catalyst or a boom that's going to just get a ton of people into this space. And whether it's, I, I remember like the hottest time for both CryptoKitties and Decentraland and the early projects was when people were coming off the 2017 crypto roller coaster and looking for things to diversify into. There was still a ton of people in this space, but those same people were kind of moving to NFT land and kind of figuring out these NFT assets. So that might be the same case this time around as well, where there's just billions of dollars moving through the crypto markets. And then suddenly it kind of slows down there. And then people are like, oh, okay, well, what's this NFT thing? 
and then hopefully that should drive the next set of innovations. So I just hope that the, there's a lot more people in this space that understand the tech on a more deeper level as opposed to just shilling this or shilling that. And I think in the next three years, we will see a, see a mix of that. I think we will see a mix of people innovating and also a mix of people just, I guess, investing in things and being, becoming like influencers and bloggers and then uh, kind of like, uh, you know, showing the benefits of the NFT space to the public. Love that. All right, Maddie, this has been absolutely awesome. I love learning about your background and learning more about DCL. I'm excited for our live stream, which is coming up really soon. I don't know if this will be out before that. Probably not. Anyways, <laughs> if people want to reach out to you and, you know, find out more about what you do and DM you and, I don't know, check out dclblogger.com, where should they go? What should they do? I would suggest go to my Twitter. So uh, Twitter, just, just Google DCL Blogger Twitter. Connect with me there if you want to hear from me regularly. The blog's really just to get more educated in the NFT space. So I think both of them are good resources, but definitely just join my Twitter. Awesome. All right, Maddie, thanks so much. And you're going to have to come back on again in, in the future and talk more about NFTs. Anytime, man. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.